This is a messianic study of the book of Romans. It's given in a midrashic setting, which is audience participation. It was given during the months of June through August 2008. The discussion leader is John Behrens. He's pastor of Restoration Messianic Fellowship. You can reach our website at www.crimsonthread.com. There you can find this study in its entirety as well as other resources for your messianic study of the scriptures. This discussion has been edited and a number of the comments have been either truncated or removed for clarity and continuity. So we are in Romans, uh, finished up chapter 10 last time, so we're starting on 11 uh, this evening. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would no longer be grace. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend our time, uh, there's a lot of stuff as we go through this 11th chapter of Romans. Uh, first off, I don't know how many of you have been inculcated in some church at some time in some place with replacement theology. Replacement theology is, there are lots of strains of it, but basically it says that the church has replaced Israel because God has, Israel fell, uh, they broke the covenant, and so Israel's out of the pool, and the church has replaced Israel, and at the end of, the, end of days, the church will be sucked up into the overhead, and it'll just be Satan and the Jews, and they'll duke it out. Or words to that effect. Uh, that's nonsense. It's not correct. It's not scriptural. Paul himself starts this one off by saying, has God rejected his people? Oh. He says, oh, by the way, I am a Jew, or a Hebrew, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, and he hasn't rejected me. Okay. Now, he's going to go on and talk about... Uh, what God is doing with Israel and how that relates to the Gentiles. And he's, he's very clear about it. And if you know where the cross-references are, it makes all the sense in the world. But again, if somebody has handed you the New Testament uh, replacement theology first, this can be confusing. Okay? Um, now, the first thing that he says is periodically Israel falls into apostasy. And if you read, starting with the book of uh, Exodus, and then going on to the book of Leviticus, and then going on to the book of Numbers, and then going on to the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see that Israel periodically fell into apostasy while they were in the presence of God in the wilderness. Okay? Then you go to the book of Judges. And you find that Israel periodically falls into apostasy 
and God has got to correct them. Okay? Then you go to the book of Samuel. You find the same thing. Then you go to the book of Kings. You find the same thing. You find the same thing over and over and over again with respect to Israel. And every time God has two things. He's got a believing remnant at all times. And the other thing that is when he throws them out of the pool, which he does periodically, the exile bears with it the seeds of correcting the problem that sent them into exile. Okay? Now, studying that out is way more complicated than I have got time to do tonight, so I'm just going to assert that for the moment. It doesn't really affect what we're going to say beyond that. In other words, I'm not building anything on that, that assertion. And if you want to go through that sometime, we can. We typically talk about that during Midrash on Shabbat. But the fact is that God, when he sends his people into exile, it is restorative. It is corrective. Okay? So, for example, the current exile, according to the Jews, this is rabbinic thought. The reason they got sent into exile in 70 A.D., is because of baseless hatred one Jew to the other. In other words, they were tearing and snarling at themselves in factionalism. You had Pharisees, you had Sadducees, you had Boethians, you had Essenes, and every one of them thought that the other one was, you had people that followed the way, okay? And every one of them thought that the others were totally apostate, and they just constantly were tearing at each other. Sounds like the Christian church today. It does. And sort of the most dramatic example of that is the crucifixion of Yeshua. Okay? That is internal, factional, baseless hatred within Jews. He is simply our most famous example. He is not unique. So the Jews say the reason we were thrown out is because of this baseless warring among ourselves. We couldn't get along. We couldn't live as brothers. Uh, so God said, all right. You guys want to do baseless hatred, I'll give you baseless hatred. And he sends them into exile. And if you read the history of the Jews from the time they left in 70 AD till today, it is a series of persecutions and pogroms against them for no reason other than they're Jews. So what God says, if you're going to do baseless hatred, we'll do baseless hatred on steroids until we get it out of your system. And you look at the other exiles and you can trace the same thing through them. The first exile, Babylonian exile, was because of idolatry. So where did they get sent? They got sent to idol central, Babylon. Okay, you guys want to do idols? We'll do idols. So off we go to Babylon. This, what I am telling you now is Jewish theology, Jewish history, Jewish perception. Okay, this is the, and they fully expect to be restored just like they have been every other time when the exile has done what it was supposed to do. And so Paul is saying it, he hasn't rejected the Jews. This is simply part of a pattern that has been going on ever since the Exodus. Paul doesn't say that part of that. That part is me. But Paul is saying he hasn't rejected us. Okay? All right. Now, what we're going to talk about and, 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 and by the way, as Paul is talking here, this is before 70 A.D. when the second temple was destroyed. 
and the Jews were scattered, but the Jews are still in exile when Paul is talking because you have the northern tribes that were sent into exile about 800 BC. They have never returned. Okay? And when James, 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 I think James, when James starts his letter, he says, to the 12 tribes in the diaspora. Huh? He does. Yeah. And so it is, in fact, the case that Israel is partially in exile as Paul writes. And one of, the th one of the characteristics of exile is that they will be roughly handled by the nations where they are in exile. In other words, they'll flee where no man pursues and, and you know, all of the, you know, and if you read the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, it ta Deuteronomy, it talks about the characteristics of exile. So what we have in the later letter to Romans is you have Gentiles who have come into the church and they have brought their Gentile attitudes about the Jews into the church, into the synagogue. And what Paul is writing about is to tell these people, you guys need to back off. And that's what's going to be talked about in 11 and 12. Okay? But understand the perspective. The Gentiles who have got the knowledge of Yeshua got the Holy Spirit, have come into the synagogue, and the only reason they come into the synagogue is because that's where the scriptures are. Right? In other words, you get saved, you need to read your Bible. Well, you want to read the Bible, you've got to go to the synagogue, because that's the, where they are. So they come into the synagogue, and they bring their Gentile attitudes toward the Jews, and Paul is now going to talk about that. So what he's leading off with is, hey, do you think that you have replaced Israel? In other words, has God rejected his people? And what he's now going to go through is a riff saying, no way, not true. And he's going to explain what's happening in the exile, and he's going to explain it in terms that Gentiles can understand, but the church has since twisted and turned into replacement theology. All right, so with that, here we go. Verse 7, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. Remember, we talked about that before. Why did they fail to obtain what they were seeking? That was, that's been two chapters ago at least. They didn't seek it by faith. No problem with, the, with what they were seeking, but they didn't do it by faith. Okay? And so we've already been through this in a previous chapter. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened, as it is written. So what he's saying is, I, Paul, am a Jew. Right? An Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. I am one of the elect in this case. I got it. However, there are a whole bunch of my fellow countrymen who didn't get it, and they are hardened. Now, when I say it, the Sunday church will say that it is knowledge of Yeshua. I'm going to assert right now that that's not what it is. It is faith in God. And you have Jews who are faithful and have faith in God who are not messianic and Jews who are. Paul happens to be a messianic, and he's writing to Gentiles who are Christian. So your natural inclination is that, is that the ones who are hardened are all those Jews who don't understand Yeshua, right? And I'm asserting right now that that's not the case, and, I, and we'll, we'll go on and develop that as we go. As it was written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, that's Isaiah, Eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this very day. That goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. Now he's going to quote from Psalm 69. 
Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their necks forever. What David is talking about are his enemies within Israel. Was David a Messianic Jew? No, not in the sense that we're talking about. David was a, yeah, David, you know, way before. Red-headed guy, right, shepherd. David was not a Messianic Jew. Yet he is speaking against other Jews who have descended into wickedness and are against them, against him. That's what that whole Psalm 69 is talking about. He's talking about his enemies who are Jews who are descended into wickedness. So you always have a conflict between what I will call believing Jews and secular Jews or believing Jews and apostate Jews, or believing Jews and ethnic Jews who have fallen into idol worship and paganism. Are we we understanding each other? And believing Jews certainly include those who have come to a knowledge of Messiah. But that is not an exclusive set. There are believing Jews who have not come to a knowledge of Messiah for very good reasons. They read the scriptures differently than you do. And they say, that guy is not the Messiah. But they are still having faith in God, just as David did, just as Isaiah did. Okay? Am I saying it so it makes sense to you? Um, And all of these, these two passages he's talking about, David and Isaiah talk about unbelieving Israel. So you have both unbelieving Israel and believing Israel coexisting, if you will, in this case, uneasily. And in the case of Isaiah, we talked about this before, when God finally decides that the nation is going to go into exile, what does he do? Anybody? He hardens their hearts. And the reason he hardens their hearts, and it's in Isaiah, is so that they will not turn and repent so that I would have to heal them. In other words, when it gets right up to here and God says, okay, that's enough. You guys are going into exile. At that point, what he does is he hardens their hearts so that the exile that he has decreed will happen. But understand in hardening hearts, he's not the one who started it. The reason that they are going into exile is because they hardened their own hearts to the things of God and they fell into idolatry, they fell into violence, they fell into um, apostasy, all these kinds of things. In other words, they started the process, okay? They started hardening their own hearts. What God says, okay, that's the way we're going to be, you're going. And furthermore, I'm going to make sure that you maintain the courage of your convictions. Same as Pharaoh. Same as Pharaoh. Okay, we talked about Pharaoh in, in, in this series. So what's happened is Israel starts hardening its own heart by turning away from God. And then God says, all right, everybody out of the pool. And oh, by the way, you guys don't get to turn and repent now. You're going into exile. And so when you see all those hairy Assyrians or all those hairy Babylonians or Romans or whatever all the hairy guys are that are around you, don't come squalling to me because I ain't listening. You're going into exile. Okay? Everybody understand what's what's being said here? Verse 11. 
So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? This is, again, a rabbinic argument, heavy and light. In other words, if Israel, in its current prostrate, prostrate and supine position, those are the two things, flat forward and back, um, is able to bring the Gentiles in, how much better is it going to be when they themselves come back? Okay, heavy and light argument. All right, so the first reason is to make Israel jealous. Okay, now one of the things that you got to understand for background as we go through this, what is Israel's designed purpose? Why did God pick Israel? What's their purpose? Yeah, they are supposed to be God's representative to the world, right? In other words, they're supposed to be a nation of priests. They have got the Torah. They've got the words of God. They have got contact with God. They've got the tabernacle among them. They are supposed to be the world's connection to God. Oh, shoot. They've just messed it up. Right? Well, if you're not going to be my connection to God like I designed you to be, what I'm going to do is I am going to connect with the world without you. And, oh, by the way, that should make you jealous. Because if I am doing directly through my son Yeshua what you are supposed to do, you should be looking up from your places in exile and putting on sackcloth and throwing ashes on your head and saying, woe is me because I am no longer fulfilling the task that God called us to do and he's doing it Anyway, sort of like when you got a little kid and you tell them to clean up the room and tell them to clean up the room and you tell them to clean up the room and they don't do it and finally you sit them down and you go clean up their room. What's the reaction? Tears. Mommy, I'll do it. Oh, mommy. You ever seen that with a kid? Sure. That's exactly what's going on here. Oh, yeah. Every parent here has, right? Every parent here has. And that's what Paul is talking about. It, it's, God says to Israel, you're supposed to be my connector. You're supposed to be my connection to this world. You're supposed to be a nation of priests. You're, all right, out of the pool. I'll do it myself. 